0: Hello, how are you? Are you excited? I'm excited today. So it's so good to have you here on Anchored with Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards, in case you're wondering, which I think most of you would know. But again, on uh, these particular days, we just answer questions. There's a lot of email questions that have come in, and this is your time to ask questions online. So you just go to the YouTube channel, which you should be. listening to or watching right now and you just type it in and i'll take as many of those as i can so first thing we need to do is pray let's begin in the father and the son and the holy spirit amen great god of love and mercy hear us as we come before you fill us with your holy spirit father we don't deserve you we don't deserve your love we don't deserve your spirit and yet you are so faithful you do everything in your power as God to save us. Help us to have that heart for others. You who give us hope, help us to bring hope to others. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, what we do is we want to focus on things that give us hope. You know, in the world of darkness this day, we want to make sure that we are bringing the light and being the light of Jesus to the world. So that's what this program is about. So I answer questions in that, but hopefully that always give us the, the teaching of the church as best as I can. I mean, I'm not the Pope. I'm not infallible. Uh, I don't know everything. So sometimes I might uh, uh, say something wrong and People always make sure I know when I do, so (laughs) that's okay. But we need to make sure that uh, you know we're we're doing God's will. That's the whole point of everything we do is to try to do God's will. So let's get started here, and I'll take one of these because it's uh, uh, important in our in in Erie right now. Uh, And so we'll start with thank you, Father. And here are a few questions, and uh, and they're from uh, Gina's kids. So the first question is, is it a sin to keep illegal immigrants out of our country? Is the wall a sin? First of all, you can protect the borders of a country. Of course you can. Um, You can protect your people and all that kind of stuff. But we also, like right now in Erie, we just brought, uh, the day before yesterday, 146 young girls from the border of Mexico because there's so many immigrants that have come in and so there's too many there so we have a big facility here in Erie and so they brought them here and our diocese has participated and I was um, saddened and very surprised because there were Catholics and uh, people I know that were all mad about that they were mad that we I mean these are children doesn't matter where they're from Why is it that sometimes we even as Catholics talk about us and them instead of us? Is there anyone in the world, any person that God is not loving for, that Jesus did not die for? Is there any person in the world that God does not love? And if there's no person in the world that God does not love, then we must love all people, especially children. You know, again, you can get into the debate about whether they should be here, why their parents let them come here. There's all kinds of things, but they're children. And one of my favorite images I have, I have a statue of it and uh, I have a a big picture of it is Jesus among the immigrants. And he's holding uh, immigrant children in his arms and there's people following him. And somewhere we got to start... realizing that everybody is my brother and sister. And when I see anger amongst people who call themselves Catholics because of integration and different things, I feel I used to just get angry back, but boy, that doesn't do anything. But now I just feel sad, and then I'll part one of my fasting days I've been doing for these type people because they just don't know God. It's just that simple. And, and not now I mean, it gets even, uh, they don't know the love of God. I'll say it that way. That's a better reality because they could say, well, I, I pray every day, Father. I say the rosary every day. But I would submit to you that you don't know the love of God if you think that there's truly an us in them because Jesus died for everybody. Remember those who go to daily mass? Yesterday's gospel was God so loved the world that he sent his only son to anyone who would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life. And then it says in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And somewhere in the, the church right now, uh, and again, people who are priests, who are bishops, who are daily mass goers, and uh, I'm not a bishop, but I'm a priest. I'm a daily mass goer. And I'm a daily holy hour dedicated to Our Lady, of course. Um, when they come off, and they're condemning others, it's just not of God. And why would I say that? Because if in John 3:17 it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Now, Jesus Christ is the judge of the living and the dead. So if God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn it, I promise you, he didn't send you into the world to condemn it. I promise you that. God did not send you into the world to condemn it because he didn't send Jesus his only son, the judge of the living and the dead. He came to save it. And you and I have to be doing everything in our power to save the world and to save every single person in the world. We must love all people without condition. Even Jesus goes deeper when he says we must love our enemies. Now, again, there's some of you watching right now that's, no, we don't have to love our enemies. I had a daily mass person say that to me. I still have the email. We are not called to love our enemies. Yes, we are. Jesus says we are called to love our enemies. So that's the first thing. The wall would not be a sin, but we have to treat all people. Even in Erie right now, we have about 100,000, a little bit less than 100,000 people in the city of Erie and 10% of Erie Pennsylvania now is immigrant immigrants so we have over 10,000 immigrants in the city of Erie now that's Erie has you know it used to be and again it's just a different immigration when Erie was started, it was all German immigrants and uh, the Irish immigrants. And of course, they had to set up two different churches because they wouldn't go to the same church with each other as good Catholics. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't worship together. So they start their own churches. But again, it's just a new wave of immigration. So we have new people coming in. And that's why at my church at St. Joe's, last year, right before we st- the pandemic hit, I started a committee just to deal with immigration the to to make sure that people feel loved when they come here and to try to help them it hasn't got off the ground yet because we had just started it when literally right when the pandemic hit but um, it's something that on my heart that we need to make sure that all people are treated Uh, when they look at us they're looking for God right because we say we're followers of God so if God is love then we must be people of love So if we're hitting him with judgment, we're telling people to stay away, does God do that? And the answer is no. And so again, if if God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn it, he didn't send you and I into the world to condemn it either, but to save it. Okay? The second question here is why do the Jewish people not believe that Jesus is the son of God? The same reason they didn't believe it back then when Jesus was here. The same reason uh, Judas would betray him. They were, the Jewish people were primarily looking for someone who was going to fulfill all of scripture, you know, and so they were looking for a messianic savior, a savior who would come and save the Jewish people and raise them up to be a mighty nation that rules over all the other nations. And Jesus came as a suffering servant. Again, it's in Scripture, you know, but it isn't as big in Scripture as it was then. So um, they just saw him as a, uh, as a good Jew or a teacher, but not, you know, they don't believe in the resurrection, uh, so that's why they don't believe that Jesus would be the Savior. And that's, again, <laughs> that's an oversimplification. When I say stuff like this in a couple minutes, it's an oversimplification but that's all I can muster in this uh, little bit of time here. So let's go now online and see what's going on here. And as an aside, I've been getting a lot of uh, emails and comments on YouTube about the live streaming of our masses. We know that we've been buffering. We know there's been great problems. We spend over $500 a month for the best internet there is. And we have got zilch we get cut off all the time so we uh made a lot of complaints and so they were there today and i think they're still there working on it but we're telling them they got to do something we use a uh, a spectrum and it's not been very reliable all the money that we pay and it hasn't been reliable at all and we call them and they come and they say it well we need to do this we need to do well just do it but right now it's been very unreliable so but we know that and we're working on it so uh, just so you know okay hello father do you have a chance to look up easter i did not (laughs) i'm sorry and the reason someone talked about but again for the last month, I have been, uh, you know, with all my health problems, like I was saying to someone, it's like for I lost the whole month of my life. Um, I was in shutdown with this. Because, again, like I was saying last week, that uh, they went from me having cancer to a kidney stone back to cancer. And then uh, they had it last Friday. Uh, I had to get all these... Um, or last Thursday, I got another new CAT scan that went through everything and that, and then on Friday, I got the results, and there is no cancer by God's grace. So that was my first thing, but it said I still had my kidney stone. And so uh, I was like rejoicing that, okay, God. Uh, that was in his will for me to have cancer, as we talked about last week. But I still had the kidney stone. I'm thinking, okay, now I got a kidney stone. I had to fly to Dallas last Friday and then give a talk on Saturday. something. i oh, Lord, okay, I trust in you. So I'm at Dallas in the church, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, in uh, Frisco, uh, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. And uh, five minutes, I'm the only speaker. And five minutes before my talk, I'm in the front row, and I thought, oh, I better, you know, Go to the restroom before I give my talk. And I went to the restroom and I passed my stone. It didn't hurt. I mean, very little, but I saw it, couldn't catch it. And like they said, you're supposed to keep mag and keep it. Too much information, I know. But anyway, uh, but it passed. And so it's just this week that I'm really getting uh, like all, my, I had over 100 emails I had not answered, didn't even look at. And the problem is, and then some of them, they asked me to do stuff. And of course, I mean, it was done, but I get so many emails anyway. uh, But the ones I just didn't, didn't have a chance to respond to. And I just got them finished. Uh, A lot of them, some of them are already passed. I couldn't do anything about it. uh, But yesterday, yesterday, the day before yesterday. So um, I'm sorry. But again, I did ask somebody, but they said the same thing. We talked last week. It's the pass, the past, but I still don't even know what uh, the Easter means for that. But again, sorry. Sorry. Easter Sunday is resurrection day, yes. Okay I don't know. Greetings, Father. We have been passionately teaching, preaching, evangelizing with humble boldness, love, hope, and peace. Oh yes, I have. If you have to ask the Lord for another gift, what would that be and why? If I had to ask for the, you know, the the, the prayer that I make every day when I uh, hold up the Blessed Sacrament, because it's supposed to be the most powerful moment of prayer, is when Jesus becomes present in the Eucharist. And then when we hold Jesus up and we say, this is my body for you, and we hold up the God of the universe, because now we participate in the one prayer and the one offering of Jesus. So my prayer, since I have been ordained, uh, soon to be 32 years ago, every day, is increase my love for you and for your people. Because I, 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 I preach it. You know, I, I've just been so aware of how selfish I can be. And I'm thinking, you know, I preach it, but I don't live it. And so I keep saying, Lord, you got to increase my love for you and increase my love for your people. And again, as I've said a million times, I can love God easier, but even, you know, I think I've said today, increase my love for you a thousand times today to Jesus. Uh, Every time I go by the chapel, you got to increase my love. I don't love you enough, Jesus. But then that's true because I don't love people enough. You know, again, people sit there and they'll watch something like this and they'll say, he seems so nice. And then when they get me in real life, I'm uh, irritable. I have, I, you know, don't bother me right now. There's all kinds of stuff. And I hate that about myself. And so the biggest thing is, like, Lord, you got to make me more loving of you and more loving of other people. So that's the prayer, and that's what I would uh, hope that I need to uh, you know, answer that more um, Yeah, so if you want to pray for Father, for anything, pray for me that I love God and I love others more. Thank you. Okay, let's go now to a paper one. If venial sin, this is from Robert, if venial sin will not send us to hell, and any sin forgiven still needs to be cleansed in purgatory, why does it matter if venial sin is forgiven or not? Sure, mortal sins have to be forgiven, but if a venial sin has been forgiven by God, is there less a price to pay in purgatory? people get caught up in the purgatory reality. First of all, let's be very clear about purgatory. The only thing that we have to believe as Catholics about purgatory is that one, it exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. So that is um, primarily what we believe. And so all those other things are conjecture, theolo- theological conjecture, uh, conjecture with good uh, theology basis for it, but isn't truth. We don't know. It's theological speculation, okay? But the reason, first of all, we need to be forgiven of venial sins is we should not be looking at sin as like part of our belief system. Sin. It's hurting the body of Christ, which means sin is hurting Jesus and hurting his members, all of us. So whenever we sin, it's never just about me and Jesus. It's always about me and Jesus and everyone else that's part of his body. So whether I do mortal sin, which cuts me off from God, or venial sin, which wounds my relationship with God, I should be sorry for any sin I commit because all my sin wounds Jesus. And so I come to him and I should be saying, I'm sorry every day. Now, you do not have to go to purgatory. I have no plans about going to purgatory, none. I have been praying all my life and whatever time I have left on this earth to good St. Joseph, and I'm the pastor at St. Joseph, for a happy death. Why do you pray to St. Joseph in this year of St. Joseph for a happy death? One is because Jesus and Mary were with him when he died. And what's praying for a happy death? That you will get the sacraments of the church. And not only will you get the sacraments of the church as you're dying before you die, is that you get a plenary indulgence at the moment of death. That's what the church gives Catholics. huh? So that means that if I go and I get anointed, I go to confession, I get anointed, I receive viaticum, and then the church gives me... Uh, the plenary indulgence and the moment of death. It's right in our ritual book. When I die, by God's grace, I go to heaven. You know, Now, the priest that lives with me is very, 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 very much into purgatory, and he doesn't think anybody gets to go right to heaven. I completely disagree with him, and I've told him more than once, and he says, I don't believe in the poor souls, but i prayed for the poor souls for the last 32 years, every day. If you watch my daily mass, I pray for the poor souls every day because we need each other, but I don't believe you have to go to purgatory because... He says, like he asked me once when I was, uh, I had to write my will when I went to sabbatical, and he said, so how many masses are you having said for you after you die? And I said, one. One? You think one mass is enough to save your sorry soul? And I says, one drop of the precious blood of Jesus Christ is enough to save my soul. It's what Jesus did for me, and it's what Jesus did for you. It's not what we do for him, period. We are not, that is not the teaching of the church. Now, again, the way I've explained purgatory throughout these years is God is love, right? And so when we die, if we're in a state of grace, you know, even though we have venial sins, a selfishness, then this God of love embraces us. And as he embraces us and draws him close to himself, and again, all this is analogy, all the things are analogy, His love is so strong, it burns. And it burns away all of our selfishness. Why? Because heaven is the place where we love God, where he loves us, and we love each other forever, right? You know, that's why I say, and I've said it before, that you're finally getting close to what it is to be a member of the body of Christ is when you hope and pray that the person you hate the most on earth will get to sit with you right next to you forever in heaven. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. Ah, You're not there yet. They'll be redeemed and you'll be redeemed. You will love them as Christ loves them. Heaven is the place of love. So we need to constantly be purified. Our time on this earth is to learn how to love, because God is love. The whole community of God, the Trinity, is the community of love. He created us out of love. He commands us to love. That's what heaven's gonna be. It's not gonna be me staring at God forever. Don't you think that'll get old after a couple million years? If that's all heaven is, come on. Heaven is the place of love. And remember when those of you who are married and you were in love with your wife or your husband or you're in love with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're talking on the phone and it goes, you're going for hours and hours and hours and hours and you sit there and say, oh, it seems like only a minute. Exactly. If you want to read a good thing on that, you can read uh, God is Love by Pope Benedict. It's a great encyclical. And a lot of my stuff comes from there. In fact, he says, uh, you want to know what God is Love, what that means? Look at the wound in the hand of Christ on the cross. That's God is love. Jesus paid for my sins. He did it, not me. And so I can trust him. So sin hurts someone I love, and so I get reconciled with God, and I get reconciled with others. Because again, if it was just between you and God, you could go right to God. But God gave us a priest to be his representative, not just of him, but of the whole body. Because every sin, even if you're alone and you commit that sin, hurts the whole body of Christ. Because anything we do to Christ, we do to his body, which is us. We are all belong to each other because we're all in Christ Jesus. And so that's why all this is important. So we've got to always look at our whole thing in Catholicism and Christianity and everything as love as relationship not a bunch of rules rules aren't going to keep you alive forever jesus is right and even his greatest commandment is love one another as i have loved you that's what keeps us alive forever and that's what we got to learn to do okay let's see in today's gospel of john too scary to hear the word wrath of god how do you reconcile this with the curse of the fig tree when the lord turned the tables in the temple is there anger there Well, the wrath of God is God giving us what we want, and it's not him, and it hurts him. (laughs) You know, think about it. If God is always knowing, God knew what you were going to sin before he ever created you, because God is at the beginning, at the end, he's already knew every sin you were ever going to do. So he's not surprised by any of our sin, but he's always given us the free will. And God created us to be with him forever. And so even when... You know, if you're a mother or a father and you get angry at your children, it's because they're hurting themselves. It's because they're doing something can be dangerous. It's because they're whatever it happens to be. You know, when he, it says in Hebrews 12, whom I love, I chastise. You know, that shows that we're beloved sons and daughters of God and not illegitimate, as again, it says in Hebrews 12. But that's all done in love. Now, in the Old Testament when the wrath of God was more uh, frequent, and you might say, well, why is that, Father? Because Jesus had not yet paid the penalty for our sin. So the Old Testament is much more filled with justice. You know, like in society today, the church's job is to bring mercy, but the society's job is to bring justice. You need both. And so... When we have this, when Jesus comes and dies and pays for all of our sins, now the justice of God has been fulfilled by the, birth, by the death of Jesus Christ. So he fulfills all the justice in himself, okay? And so that's why it says, even in today's gospel, if we believe in him, as I preached on this morning, if we have faith in God, we will have eternal life because we believe that he paid the penalty for my sin. If we disobey him, we don't love people. We don't believe he came to die for my sins. I got to earn my own salvation, which is the heresy of a plagianism, heresy that you are going to earn your own salvation or you're going to do 50% in God's All heresy, heresy, heresy. So then you're under the wrath of God. Why? Because now you're under the judgment of God because God's justice must be fulfilled, but if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you obey Christ by being a man or woman of love, then Jesus pays for your sins, so you are no longer under the wrath of God. Again, the best way for me to say this is, when you and I, every sin, every sin must be paid for injustice, right? So, it must be, or God's a liar, he says, if you sin, you shall die. Now, You and I, when we get to receive either mercy or we receive justice by what we cling to, if you and I cling to our sin and say, I like this sin, I'm gonna keep doing it, I don't care, then the justice of God, when it comes against the sin, it'll also come against you. Not because God wants you, that's why he gave you the rule, don't do it. He wants to save you. But when you repent of sin and you say, Jesus, save me, then Jesus embraces you and gives you mercy. And then your sin goes to justice. So you see, we always got to be dealing with these two things together, justice and mercy. You'll receive the justice of God if you don't receive the mercy of God in the person of Jesus. That's why when Jesus, he's not a liar. He said, if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. If you do not, you're under wrath because you have chosen not to come to Jesus but to earn your own salvation. And there are a lot of Catholics that are trying to earn their own salvation. They're constantly focusing on, what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong? They're not focused on Jesus and not focused on others. We need to be holy and holiness is when God's will and our will become one and so we got to be doing that. So um, hopefully that helps, and again, oversimplification. Everything I talk about is oversimplification, you know, so just so you know, they can go deeper, and like a couple weeks ago, I remember talking about, uh, I I didn't have a chance to, you know, I watched uh, the question came back later, and when I watched my response, I go, oh, I didn't say that. I should have said that. So again, I'm just We're trying to take a lot of very difficult concepts and put them into very short answers. Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes I don't do it well. I forget things or I I think of it later. Oh, I should have said that too. So please be patient. You know, all of them trying to do as best I can here. Okay, so let's go back to here. So hello, Father Larry. Okay, I do not have so, okay. So my question is, does the devil hear your prayers? What do you think the answer is? No, he's not God. He can only see, he can tempt you from outside, but he doesn't know your thoughts. Only God knows your thoughts. That should be helpful. It's a le- the leading question to a much larger understanding I find myself struggling with. Any insight or direction you can offer me will be greatly appreciated. Again, that sometimes too many people give the devil way too much credit. He's an angel, just like all the other angels. And because he has decided to fight against us. He has other angels and demons that fight against us and try to get us to focus on them. And so, too many people are so focused on the devil. I mean, oh my gosh, so focused on the devil that you wonder who they're really worshiping. You know, even this year is St. Joseph, and there's a question coming up here on St. Joseph. And this year is St. Joseph, what do you think amongst men anyway the favorite of the litany is? Do, 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 do. Terror of demons. That's right. Oh, yeah, we got power. We have power over demons from Jesus Christ living inside of us. Joseph also has power over demons, but so do you. Because why? You know, this Saturday, my kids at my parish are going to be confirmed. And, like, I met with them all, except for the one to not come. But anyway, I met with them all, and I said... The spirit that God gives you is not a cowardly spirit, but one that makes you strong, loving, and wise. From Timothy, it says that. And you got to remember that when Jesus went and fought with the devil, he had, after he was baptized, he knew who he was. Then he fought with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, in a different way, of course, than us, is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. So, Who is more powerful, the devil or the spirit of the living God? God himself, who created the devil, as a good angel. God is always stronger. Don't stay focused on the devil. Tell him to go to hell. And you don't even just tell him. You command him to go to hell. You have the authority in Jesus Christ to do that. The authority over this evil one. So you don't have to go running around saying, oh, I don't know about the devil. I'm so afraid. Get over that stuff. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. If you are a baptized Christian. So this is the problem here. We don't even know the power of God inside of us. And we let one of his creations have more power over us than the living God that got us stop. We gotta let the spirit of the living God, who is not a cowardly spirit, but one that makes us strong. The same spirit Jesus had is the same spirit you and I have. Surrender to him and let him fight your battles. Then you don't have to be running around from the devil all the time. Stop it. We are always stronger. We are beloved sons and daughters of the Father. Are you kidding me? You think God the Father would sit there and put us in such danger? He's given us his spirit to save us, to lead us, to give us strength so we can have great power. So (laughs) just so you know. Okay, I had, uh, okay, here we go. The St. Joseph thing. I'm having issues with the consecration of St. Joseph. That is the in thing, and it is the in thing. And it's good. I've, my greatest, I always said, so where has everybody been? I've had great devotion to St. Joseph most of my life, all of my priesthood. You know, but now everybody's into St. Joseph because a book was written. There was another other book. The, the big book that's been written now, it's quite interesting. As far as I know, I have two of them, but I haven't went and ex- explicitly questioned it. But I haven't looked at it enough. But those of you who have that book, see if there's any quotations from Pope Francis Someone had just told me there isn't one quotation from Pope Francis in that book. If, and I've had struggled with the book from the first beginning, but if there's no quotations from Pope Francis, that is a humongous issue. Should you consecrate yourself to St. Joseph? No, you should consecrate to Jesus through St. Joseph. I'm not giving my life to anybody except Jesus Christ, but like I've consecrated my life to Jesus through Mary, and to consecrate my life to Jesus through Joseph, the last thing Joseph ever wanted, he only didn't say a word because he always pointed to Jesus. Mary always said, do whatever he tells you, pointed to Jesus. Sometimes we get stuck I'm consecrating myself to Joseph in the men's conference. I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, there's a great uh, thing with Heroic Men and I encourage you to, to get this uh, stuff. Uh, for all you men out there, there's an app called Heroic Men and I have stuff on there, a lot of great speakers and that on there, we have a lot of stuff. But when we're talking about it, we have a great thing coming up on the uh, 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 Father's Day and consecration with St. Joseph. And I said, we gotta be very clear we're consecrating our lives to Jesus through Saint Joseph because if you do if you consecrate in your life and surrender your life to anyone else anyone else except Jesus Christ that's idolatry period so we only go to Jesus through these saints through great saints his mother and his stepfather are you kidding me you can't get better than that but you got to make sure that you're doing the teaching of the church and not just, well, well, this priest says this and this priest says that. Let's go back to the basic, basic stuff. Should you consecrate yourself to Jesus through Joseph? Absolutely positively. You do not need to use that book. There's another couple books out there, also consecration. And there's the one I've used and I really like, written by uh, a lay person and a lay woman. Fantastic, and I wish, it's Consecration of St. Joseph, I forget the, uh, the author's names, but that's also a very good book. And the other one's fine too, but I'm just again questioning. In this uh, problem in the church today, the people don't acknowledge Pope Francis, the true pope, again, we separate ourselves from the official teaching of the church, period. And again, that's why it's just important that we make sure we're looking at everything the way we need to, but yes, Dedicate yourself to Jesus through Joseph. He's a powerful intercessor. Joseph has done everything for me. He treats me, like even when I sat there and uh, they thought I had cancer. I have the, the, like Pope Francis has, you know, he really started to the, the make popular in the world the devotion, to the, the sleeping Joseph. And so I got that statue of the sleeping Joseph and I wrote, Joseph, no cancer. And I put it under the pillow. <laughs> no cancer. Joseph always remember i asked him to start perpetual adoration the bishop said no and i crawled up on the the high altar my second high uh, the the side altar and i put a miraculous medal at the foot of saint joseph and i said joseph the bishop said no but i know you'll say yes and we are the only church with perpetual adoration now for the last 16 years so joseph i am in no way diminishing joseph Joseph is my go-to man. He's also the one that is the man who prays for me uh, because all men need men. So Joseph knew what it was to be a man. So I've always went to Joseph. So And in no way, any way, diminishing consecration to Jesus through Mary or Joseph in any way. I just want to make sure you put it in the right context, okay? Okay. So Okay, why is John not part of the synoptic gospel? Synoptic means from the same eye. And uh, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke traditionally uh, use the Q source, which means they, they have the same eye. They're looking from the same eye. So that's why they're very similar. And they're called low Christology. That's why they start with the humanity of Jesus. John is high Christology, as a different eye. So John's gospel begins, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. High theology, low theology. Synoptic is uh, low Christology. Of course, they talk about the divinity of Jesus is hinted to, but explicitly it's in John's gospel. I, before Abraham ever was, I am. He uses the word I am Yahweh again and again. So that's the primary thing there. Okay. Forgiveness is the key to our faith with the major sports leagues now embracing gambling as a way to generate money. Don't you think it's time for Major League Baseball to forgive Pete Rose? <laughs> yes, it is. It's time. So, And put the hit king in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Absolutely. Do it. Again, I'm in the for- forgiveness for all things. You know, there's, uh, uh, yeah. Everybody makes mistakes, especially the ones who like to judge everybody else. They usually made the most mistakes, and since they've never forgiven themselves, they find it very hard to forgive other people. But again, Jesus has forgiven you, and he has forgiven them if they repent. So you must do the same. Just a thought. Okay. Oh, to do, to do. When is your pilgrimage? Where can I get the info? I'm not vaccinating. Is there a vaccine visa necessary? I've read into papers. Uh, it's in October. If we're going to go to and uh, it should be on my. It's on the Reason for Our Hope website. So if you go to the Reason for Our Hope, it's like the I think the 11th of October. It's a. Um, it's also in Sonia Car. Sonia Corbett. We're doing it together. We're going to have a fine time. But we're not going to go uh, if it's not safe. You know. So there's a lot of time between now and October. Uh, but we are. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, if you're not being vaccinated, I really don't know. Uh, whether you could go or not, to tell you the honest to goodness truth, I just don't know. But you're most like, most welcome to come. If you've ever been on a trip with me, we have fun. We also are spiritual. And we do it, not also spiritual. We're spiritual and we have to have fun. But every night we, uh, like if there's a bar in the hotel, we go down and have a drink for those who want I mean not really you know and I'm always big about if we're like if there's a free night and we're going to dinner I say, hey anybody wants to come to dinner come on let's go like I don't go off by myself and say okay it's just me and this little group of friends it's always us those who want now people go do what they want but we always try to include everybody and we have a fine time so the Italy trip and if you don't know Sonia Corbett she's great and uh oh gonna be a fine time and then uh next year we're just in thing we're gonna go back to the holy land me and john edwards um we don't have the exact dates picked up but the following year uh we're gonna do that because uh, i think 2023 20, it's gonna be god willing so anyway here we go okay let's go back here do you have a favorite devotional prayer the prayer i pray every night is uh the memorare and uh the memorari, you know, is, uh, remember most gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known. Anyone who fled thy protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To you do I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful, a mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions. But in your mercy, hear me and answer me. Amen. So, it's the memorari prayer. And I've said it since I was a child. I say it every night before I go to bed. And then uh, when I need something, I do. I got off Mother Teresa Calcutta, the the mini novenas we talked about last week, about the 10 memoraries. So nine memoraries in petition and one memorary saying, uh, telling Our Lady, thank you for hearing our prayer. Mother Teresa used to do it all the time and great miracles happen. I've done it A lot these last 10 years and great miracles have happened you know so it's my favorite prayer go to our lady uh and our lady can get a lot of things done again she prays with us she asks for us she sits there and does all these things but it's all about jesus and even when you look at jesus jesus always pointed to his father too and father john ricardo is one of the greatest priests in the united states i have great uh respect for this man um he always talks about how sometimes we're always, we need Jesus was always pushing the Father, and we don't talk enough about God our Father. We talk a lot about Jesus, very christ which, of course, there's no salvation in any other name, so it's good to talk about Jesus, but it's also important to talk about the whole Trinity, especially God our Father, and to get to know God as Father. Okay, so, so then we go here. Does God love Satan, and would he forgive him? Again, it's theological speculation, but God created him, and he hates nothing he created. He gave him what he wanted, and so Satan didn't want God. If you ever read uh, Dante's Infernal or Paradosio, Paradocio, whatever, all the, the whole thing, you know, Satan is in hell, but it's not a hot hell. It's a frozen hell. And the reason it's frozen is because he's constantly in his pride trying to get out. And so his wings, free, his legs are in water, and his wings keep him frozen in the water. And the whole theology of that in this particular book is that if he was to humble himself before God and stop and just humble himself in repentance before God, he'd be set free. But because of his own pride, that's why, like again, at the men's conference this weekend, I talked about, I think I did, usually almost everything I talk about when I'm doing a, uh, getting people ready for confession, is that pride is the core sin in all of our lives. So, you know, and so people would come in and go through the questions with me, and if I'd say, are you proudful, and they'd say, oh, no, Father, ah, yes, you are. That's why you did those other sins you confessed. Pride is our core sin, doing things our way. And you can be daily mass goer and be filled with pride because you only do things the way you think it should be done instead of always asking God, what does God want and doing what he wants, okay? But yes, he still loves him. And why do we call Good Friday good? Because Good Friday was the day that the God of the universe paid for our sins. That's why it's good. Oh, happy fault, oh, necessary sin of Adam, we proclaim on Easter vigil. St. Augustine said, oh, happy fault. He's talking about uh, the sin of Adam and Eve. Why could that be a happy fault? Because because they sinned, God decided to save us through the death of his son, which is himself, of course, it's God, you know, and so, but the reality is that, so it's a happy fault, but then also Good Friday, the most important thing that happened in all the world, like again, Thanksgiving is say, what are you most grateful for? If anyone ever asked you, what are you most grateful for? Most of you should know the answer, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. That's why it's Good Friday, the most powerful moment on the whole earth, the whole eternity, is when God was nailed to a tree and died. That saved us. And that is why we should always be grateful. And that's why Good Friday is good. Okay? So, okay. Are ghosts real? Uh, Some people, I don't... um, you can see the souls in purgatory. You can see saints. So I'm guessing, I don't, I don't, I, they could be. I just don't know a whole theology. I'd never looked up the theology of uh, spirits, a uh, ghost, because I don't, you know, I'm not interested. <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. You know, people get focused on, is there ghosts here? Oh, again, I go in, hit it with holy water, they're gone. Please, God is always more powerful. That's the whole thing. Yeah, the apostles, isn't that pre-Vatican II and related to 1 Corinthians when women in Corinth were cover their heads to show respect to their for their husbands. Again, it was shown that women weren't allowed to, I mean, women would cover their heads as a sign of respect, but so uh, men covered their heads when they went to pray. That's why the Jewish men, the rabbis and that, when they go to pray, they still wore a prayer shawl to cover their head as a sign of humility. That God is above them, huh? So it's... Uh, you know there's a lot of way of showing reverence but my biggest thing is people want to show a lot of external reverence i want to see and, and who am i heart reverence god looks at our heart as our heart humbled before him period because sometimes we can be very prideful in our practices in the faith look how holy i am look how Holy, look how humble I am that God is so powerful and I'm nothing. I'm very proud of that, you know? So we just gotta, is our hearts humbled always before God? And again, the best way to do that is Philippians 2. Go back to scriptures. What does Philippians 2 say? Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to grasp at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. So what does that mean? Did he become a slave only to God the Father? No, he became a slave to you and me. So people who are saying, I'm humble. though, So at mass, you can look really humble at mass, but are you living a life of slavery for others? Are you serving other people? Are you taking care of the poor? Are you going out of yourself, giving yourself away every day? Because if you're not doing that, if you're not a slave to others, it doesn't really matter how holy you look when you go to church because church must be lived 24 hours a day. Every moment is an act of worship to Almighty God if we are in a surrendered relationship with God. Every moment is an act of worship. And then we carry that through most perfectly at Mass. But we must be living it all the time, an active life of humility, not just when we look holy at Mass. I'm not going against anybody that does that at Mass. Of course you got to do that. Of course you use those acts. That's not what the point of this is. But are you living that beyond Mass? Or do you only do that during the ritual of the Mass? Mass must be lived every moment of our day. Why? Because Jesus lives inside of us. And again, scriptures are just so clear in us, the teaching of church is so clear in us, but we don't buy it sometimes. Sometimes we are Catholic atheists, that we don't really have this relationship with God, we just follow the rules. Rules aren't gonna save anybody, they're not gonna save you either. Again, what is the teaching of the church? Who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? God made me to know him, not the rules, to know him, to love him, be in a relationship with him, to serve him, that I can be happy with him forever in the next world. So God's calling us to relationship. And the way we serve him is through others because the others or whatever you did to the least, my brothers or sisters, you did to me. That's what we'll be judged on again, right? So, well, I can sit there and say, Oh, I serve God. Look at me how holy I am at church. I go to adoration chapel every day. You should. I do a holy hour every day. But if I'm not living that by serving other people, then I'm not serving Jesus. I'm serving, I'm trying to get God to give me what I want. So, if I'm a good, good person, God, and here I am going to adoration, here I am, then you're going to give me what I want. You're going to take away my fear and you're going to give me courage. Yes, 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 and yes. But we must live that service by how we treat other people. That's why Jesus again, John chapter 13, verse 35 said, all people will know you are my disciples because you love one another. Huh? Again, just scripture, teaching the church. We go back to it. And again, I'm sure before we get done with this, I don't know if anyone's done it yet. Usually we have a, down you know down thumbs by now by the end of it we'll have someone that down thumbs it you should have a couple that are up thumbing it you know so if you like it you know anyway it doesn't really matter but i'm saying but always say oh father i can't believe you say these things i know i know a text size. hello y'all hello can a uh, lay person respectfully keep the blessed sacrament in their home only with the permission of the uh, the bishop, I can't even. When I when I became pastor, I asked my old bishop if I could have the if I could reserve the Eucharist at directory, and he said no, and I couldn't do it. So anyone, any time you have uh, the Blessed Sacrament, if you would like to have it in your home, you have to ask the bishop's permission. But most of the time, the bishop will not give it because of uh, it could uh, it could uh, for not blasphemy but sacrilege. It could be a place of sacrilege, you know, stuff could happen. It has to be changed all the time. There's there's a lot of reasons. But again, my bishop told me no, and I was a priest of Jesus Christ. Now he had the Blessed Sacrament, but it's all the other, other story. But still, you can only do it with the permission of the bishop. Okay. If you would become Pope, Father Larry, could you imagine? Um, I pray that you have Joseph's name. Pope Joseph, that'd be a great name, wouldn't it? Yes. I'll never become pope. Of course I won't. I don't know any languages. I'm not even, you know, I often say, but someone says, what if you became bishop? Like I was on a podcast a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, a great uh, Rome Boys. It's a great thing. I encourage you to go look at it, especially men. It was a men's uh, pod bean. But they says, if you would become bishop or, no, if you were to become pope, what would you do? And I said, and this is the honest to goodness truth, I have no idea. I'd have to ask Jesus what he'd want me to do. I wouldn't want to go, like, if they called me tomorrow and say, okay, uh, Father Larry, would you become bishop of so-and-so? And, of course, I'd say yes because I'd always say yes to the will of God. But, and they'd say, well, what will you do? I would sit there and say, well, I don't know unless I ask Jesus. You know, every day when I do my holy hour, that's what I try to do, listen to him so I can get my marching orders for what he wants of me. Too often in our prayer life and how we're ministering, we try to tell God how He should run His church, how He should run my life, you know, and that's the whole thing. Look, God, that's what I want you to do, and I do it. We all do it. But we got to always, like we talked about, your will be done, I want to do your will. So it would always be, what would, what do you want of this diocese? What do you want? I always thought that if that was ever to happen, I would sit there and I would do one of my parish missions in every parish of the diocese. So that the what's happened is, with priests and bishops, is we have become people who are no longer pastors, but are administrators. And to me, that's the... One of the biggest reasons why the church is broken, because we have administrators. We need pastors. Pastors who are willing to die for their sheep. Pastors who are willing to give everything for their sheep, not for the sheep to serve them. And throughout the years, that's been a big thing. The lay people have served the priests and the bishops. But that's not what we exist for. I think that's why the Lord has brought us down a good many rungs to show us we're here to serve, not be served, period. So I know that was much more than the question you asked. But anyway, uh, let's go on. Father Larry, you often talk about how you can be when you don't focus on Jesus. Yes. Can you talk about what happens when you do focus on Jesus? Have you seen miracles? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) great miracles the biggest thing is when i'm god's instrument and i can get out of the way then lots of people come to an intimate relationship with jesus lots of people go to confession lots of people there's been healings from healing services on uh, the last night of missions but the biggest thing that the lord has used me for throughout uh you know when i was a kid what who brought me to jesus was billy graham you know, and I just always had like a a thought that the Lord's calling me to be like the Billy Graham in the Catholic Church, and that means to bring people into this relationship with Jesus. And that's why it's oh, I'm always talking about Jesus. I'm always trying to get us to focus on Jesus, surrender our life to Jesus. When I do a parish mission, every mission ends with uh, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, asking Him to come in and take control. Every day at mass. 10,000 people watch the mass or listen to the homilies every day through Podbean or through YouTube. But if you watch through, if you, a lot of times people are just listening to the homily. But if you watch the mass every day, every day, if you haven't got this yet, I explicitly have a surrender of our life to Jesus Christ, right? I say every day, Lord Jesus I believe that you are God. I believe that you became a man and that you died on the cross to take away my sins because I'm saying this for the people who are at home saying this privately. And then I say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're truly present in the most blessed sacrament. And since I cannot receive you now physically, I beg you, come into my heart spiritually. Come into my heart. Take control of my life. Be my Lord, my God and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me your disciple. I love you, Lord Jesus Christ, and I surrender my life to you forever as you have surrendered your life for me. So when a person really does that and they really surrender their life to Jesus, they become a new creation. And so my biggest thing is to really, when I started the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, is to bring the world to Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what Jesus wants. The will of God is that no one gets lost, that he wants everyone to be saved. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. So for me, the greatest miracle that I am part of that God can use me for is to make as many people disciples of Jesus they come to know Jesus and love Jesus so they can live with Jesus forever and that's what uh, the greatest miracle is in my life and the miracles that I've seen the most the miracles of conversion and uh, that's why when I wrote to be a man book a lot of men have come to Jesus there's a surrender prayer right in the middle of the men book surrender book is all about surrendering your life to Jesus that's why it's called surrender you know the uh, my new book coming out when I finally get it finished, which I'm all excited about. But anyway, it's uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's all about living it. That's why the book is called Just Live It. It's about living this relationship with God the Father and Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so those are the greatest miracles when we are reborn in Jesus because because of that we get to live forever. There's nothing, no greater miracle than us living forever and so to bring people to that when i can get out of the way and they can see jesus instead of me that's the best thing ever okay so i gotta go see my shrink and i gotta come back because we're going to be doing some new things on the podcast again we're going to start uh interviewing people, and uh, it's going to be some great things coming your way, so you don't have to just listen to me. Uh, But it's going to be some good stuff, so pray for us, so I'll come back for that. And God willing, we'll see you next week. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect every one of you. He who is Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.